Hello and welcome. My name's Karen O'Connor and this is Things That Make You Go Hmm. This is your podcast to help you make the most of the wisdom and experience that comes with getting that little bit older. Let's get right into it. Hello and welcome. I'm here today with Carly Nemo. Hello, Carly. G'day. Carly, I've got to say, is my podcasting mentor she's just she's been how long have you been podcasting oh eight years maybe 2015 2014-15 yeah yeah Yeah. and you've had like top ranked podcasts and heaven knows how many downloads (laughs) I don't even know (laughs) no idea You do voiceover artists as well, don't you? And you teach people, obviously, yeah. podcasting. Yeah, so I've been I've been a voiceover artist for almost 20 years. I worked in broadcasting for a while. And then I started my first podcast in 2014, but then relaunched it in 2015. Uh, that's a long story I won't get into. Um, and it hit number one. And then, I don't know, it was a very different time back then. I think there was 130,000 podcasts in all of Apple in all of iTunes. And last time I checked, which was quite some time ago, there was over 2 million. So it was a very different time. <laughs> but still, um, it's, it's still it's still worth celebrating, right? It absolutely it is. It is. What I wanted, I was going to go off on a tangent about podcasts and I'm not going to. Um, what I wanted to talk to you about this morning was you put up this really incredible post a few weeks ago about how as an adult, we really put having fun down at the bottom of our to-do list. Mm-hmm. And I can so relate to that. <laughs> yeah. I mean, adulting is a real thing, right? Yeah. And, and we just lose our creative spark. And also, I mean, you know, like, let's be real. The last three years have been particularly heinous for most people in some ways, you know, like uh, some people have experienced more shit like myself. But everyone has experienced some kind of trauma over the last three years. And when we're in that kind of space, it's even more serious adulting because, you know, we we don't have the same access to creativity that we do when we're in, you know, thriving mode. That part of our brain literally just isn't accessible to us when we're going through financial shit or uh, moving through big life stuff our creativity isn't accessible to us in the same ways that it is when we're when our needs are met and when we're yeah free from all of the stress <laughs> i also think it it's a lot part i was going to say the it's part of the female psyche but i mm-hmm. think it's part of the expectations that we put on ourselves is that there's always something else to do there's always something yeah. else to do and can't have fun because your task list is never ending. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, that that is, you know, we live in a capitalist patriarchal society and it values productivity over all else because if we're not productive human beings, we're not contributing to society. And so things like creativity are seen as they're not celebrated, even though, Creativity is a thing that creates all innovation, you know, all all things that we're being productive about were at some point somebody's creativity. Even capitalism is is a construct, right? And that construct was a form of somebody's creativity. It came from somebody's imagination. 
So those, you know, the, the structures that we live within, they don't favour taking time out just to chill and be creative. It's about being productive and getting shit done. It's funny because as you're talking, I remember clearly some, I can't remember what happened. And my dad's point of view on people who uh, maybe didn't have a job or were creative Mm. or did things that they enjoyed was they're a waste of space. Mm. And that's, um, that's no criticism of my dad. Well, that's just a, that's just the generational viewpoint. Absolutely. And Mm. so that's kind of in, in my subconscious, you know, you're not, doing something if you're not producing something and you're not doing something useful you're a waste of space yeah totally totally and I think a lot of us carry the baggage of that um I remember a few years ago I like I've been exploring my relationship with creativity for maybe the last five years actively so trying new things um I just recently signed up for a songwriting course even though I've never picked up an instrument it's been an interesting experience which I'm sure we'll talk about today um but like th- 3 or 4 it must have been 4 years ago I signed up for a ukulele course and it was during the day it was like 11am on a Tuesday and I felt such a deep guilt about that that I had spent like it was $75 or something for 6 weeks it wasn't like a huge amount of money but it also meant that I was carving out once I drove there, did it, came back, it was like taking two hours out of a work day. And I would feel, I felt immense guilt about that. And I remember remember my husband saying, oh, ukulele lessons, like, shouldn't you be working? And <laughs> he wouldn't say that to me now, <laughs> but, he, but that was just like a, a passing comment. And I felt like, oh, you know, it really triggered me and, you know, activated me in a big way because I was, I felt such deep, immense guilt about taking off two hours a day to go and learn a new skill that wasn't directly impacting my business, you know, because if if I, if I, my kids at school are in daycare and particularly when she was in daycare, because I was paying for that time. And then I was using it to learn ukulele for what, for what purpose? And for me, now that I have, you know, like explored all different, like it's part of my, a lot of people invest in coaches or, you know, therapists or all kinds of different things. And my investment is in my creativity because the more I learn about how I show up creatively, the more I learn about how I show up to everything. So I'm not necessarily doing it from it to be a productive thing, but being creative is about as productive as you can be. You're producing art, you're producing something and in the process, learning about yourself. And when we open our minds to more creativity, we're opening our minds to more innovation. So I think it's, I I think it's like, while it's for me, I'm now in the place where I can just give myself permission to do it, right? Like I'm doing a songwriting course at the moment alongside with doing a, a, another music course. I wouldn't, I wouldn't consider myself a musician. And I've had a few people ask me who are doing the songwriting course, because everyone else is a musician, like what attracted you to do this if you can't play the guitar or no Western theory or, you know, like, and it's like, well, I'm just here to push my own creative boundaries and have some fun. And like, most of us aren't like, you know, like the, the, the song, the musicians are there because they can play an instrument and they want to make their music more productive. And I'm there because I want to expand what is possible for me and see what brings me joy. And that is every bit as important as 
money in the bank. And I think sometimes the two are related. The more creative I am, the more ideas I have, the more I know, like the more likely I am to show up all the way through the process and not dip out, you know, because a lot of people create all their art and they never share it with the world. Yeah. And I, I don't know. I just value all parts of the creative process. It's really interesting because even coming from that view of you've got to be productive, in a way, <laughs> creativity teaches you to think outside the box. Totally. It teaches you to switch your brain on. I used to say that to the kids when they asked stupid questions. Switch your brain on, have a think <laughs> about it, and then ask me again <laughs> if you need to. But the vision I keep getting is that old movie from the 30s with all the people who looked like automatons. They were just doing grabbing something, putting it there, putting it there, grabbing some. And that's how we're expected to be. We're just expected to function as cogs in a big wheel Mm. as opposed to, well, if we think about something, we're actually going to be moving everybody forwards and teaching, switching our brain onto creativity allows us to maybe do things in a different way that is more productive. I don't know. Yeah, and allows you to come, like the the more that we dial into creativity the more that we can come up with creative solutions right so one of the exercises that I did a few years ago I can't remember where I learned this it might have been um there was there's this amazing book called creating by Robert Frith I think his name is and it's an incredible book it might have been in that but like one of the first things that I did I mean one of the first things that I did in terms of opening up my creativity was morning pages from the artist's way That was an incredible, like for me, creativity has always been deeply connected to my own mental well-being, right? When I am a creative being, I am a well and happy being. When I am not, I'm not, you know, like creative expression is so important to me, whether that is just expressing my feelings or, you know, I'm not necessarily an artist, though I do create art (laughs) and I'm not a musician, though I do like to sing and I like to write songs, like lyrics. There's so many things that, I don't know, like I can put all this stuff around all the things that I'm not, but I am an expressor. And so it, it, you know, like for me to be well and healthy, I need to be expressing. Anyway, in this Robert Frith book, I remember one of the one of the lessons or one of the things that he encouraged people to do was to come up with just creative ways to get from here to there. Like we have all neural pathways in our mind, you know, and we're we're going just automatically on autopilot from one thing to the other. So say the school drop or driving to work or, you know, something that we do all the time, how many different ways can you find to do that? How many different paths can you follow to the school? You know, whether that and that can look like actual different roads that you take to see something new or do something new, or it can be the the way you're driving. Are you driving when you're singing? Are you drive? You know what I mean? Like finding ways to do things differently is just opening up creativity in our minds. It doesn't have to look like painting, writing, singing, dancing. It can look all sorts of ways and it can be as simple as, okay, well, this is the way that I always go. How about we just mix this up a bit? It's interesting because there was this thing that I used to always talk about, which was the George Costanza move, right? There's this episode of Seinfeld where George Costanza (laughs) is, uh, you know, he, (laughs) well, most people are familiar with the character of George Costanza. And in this particular episode, he decides to do opposite day. 
right? So he goes to work and he tells everyone. He tells a woman that he lives with his parents. He tells his boss he's he's lazy and, you know, just like all the things that are inside of him that he's trying to hide, he just kind of brings out and he does the opposite of everything that he would do in a normal day, which is basically pretending. He's just pretending every other day and this day he's just brutally honest. And so when I approach things like, you know, going and doing something that's really out of my comfort zone, like this songwriting course, I'll often have George that George Costanza idea in my mind. Like, how can I flip this? How can I, if I'm, if I'm feeling like, oh no, I wouldn't normally contribute here, put up your hand and just contribute. Even if you start crying, just put up your hand and contribute. So like flipping things, being aware, and this is what the creative process has really done to me, is made me really aware of how I show up. Because how we show up to create one thing is really how we're showing up to create anything. So when I show up to create a painting, it's really the same process as when I show up to record a podcast. The same loop happens, you know, it's a cycle. Uh, And so when we can become aware of our cycle, we can put these little interjects in there like George Costanza at. You know, how how would I do this differently? How would I flip this? This is my regular behavior. How could I flip this and have a different experience and see if I get a different outcome? I don't know. Like I'm just deeply connected to experimentation and trying new things. And so, and and that's a, that is partly being conscious in the process. Yeah. Actively choosing different, it's like choose your own adventure, you know, <laughs> like those old books <laughs> where you could go this way or you could go that way and you make a conscious choice as to which way you go. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's, it's kind of, it's almost like creativity allows you to become aware of what you do whereas most of us don't we're completely unaware and until we can see what we're doing or how we're being we can't break that pattern because it's just completely unconscious yeah absolutely and then we're just going through the motions and then you know and it's it's just doing the same thing and expecting the same result and we know what they say about that you know, if you if you keep doing the same thing, you're going to get the same result. And to expect that it's going to be, I mean, maybe maybe some kind of weird something will happen to interrupt that, but otherwise we're just going through the motions. And for me, that's kind of boring. Like I want to live a full, rich life full of create creativity and expression. So I'm going to actively choose that. And, you know, it's not like I'm consciously aware at all moments. I'm not like who is, but I still have all of the shit that comes up when we're, you know, whenever we go to create something, there are, you, there's those old, uh, well, not old, but there's those memes of like, you know, this is the path of creativity. And it's like, oh my God, this is amazing. Well, sometimes it starts way before that. It's like, oh my God, blank canvas, can't even start, you know, like just just, just don't. <laughs> and then all of a sudden it's like, okay, now I'm going to start. And it's like, this is amazing. This is, this is amazing. Oh, oh, oh no. What am I doing? Oh, you know, I fuck that up. Oh shit. I'm crap. This is crap. Life is crap. And then, you know, you kind of find a way to bring it back together. And eventually it's like, oh yeah, that was pretty good. And that's still my experience of creativity. I can't necessarily change that, but I can become aware of it and be like, where it used to derail me, you know, like I get to that point where it'd be like, oh, I've just fucked that up. Oh, that's it. I'm done. Now I can come to it and be like, yeah, it's not exactly where you want it to be. But what you do know from experience is that if you stick with it, 
like nothing is ruined beyond repair. So like just stick with it and see what happens. You know, how could you approach this differently? Yeah. So knowing that, I know that I'm always going to hit up against that. I'm aware of it. And I don't make it mean anything that I'm shit, that I'm not an artist, that I can't do this. You know, I just am kind of like, yeah, cool. I hear you. It is kind of crap right now, but it doesn't mean that the finished product is going to be crap because most of the time it's not, you know, it works out okay. I think you've hit the nail on the head with the one of the issues for people with regards to creativity and creativity I'm talking about here is doing something like painting or Hmm. learning how to sing or something. Pottery. Pottery, yes. (laughs) I did that too last year. That was one of my other other things, yeah. Learning a new instrument. Learning a new instrument. Anything that involves creativity, (laughs) I think most of us are terrified because we're going to get it wrong. Yeah, Um, 100%. Making a mistake is like anathema. You cannot go there. (laughs) Yeah. I think because, you know, and and I totally hear that and it's totally been something that stopped me from doing a lot of different things. So, yes, I totally relate to that. You know, like um, I think like that was that's one of the things that has impacted me hugely when it comes to creativity. And interestingly... Back in 2012, I started a co-working space and it failed and it cost me a hundred grand. And it was like one of the hardest, I guess, hardest periods of my life to that point, because there was more good times to come after that. <laughs> but that that failure um, was really weighed heavily on me and it made me feel like a failure. Like I just, you know, like, and I, I worked through that for a number of years, but I think when we fail spectacularly, what we learn, and perhaps regularly, what we learn is that it's not the end of the world. There's often something really good that comes post the failure. You know, working in podcasting, I've worked with hundreds of women who are so afraid of making a mistake that they never go live. And that breaks my heart to think that your like your mind is stopping you from really potentially impacting the lives of other people. I used to say this thing um, about like it's selfish. Like people used to say to me, oh, but, you know, like it's just so selfish to be talking about myself and my experience. And I'm like, it's selfish not to. Like the most selfish thing you can do is not put yourself out there because you think it's selfish. Right, because you're actually all all you're doing is stopping your impact on somebody else. Yeah, and so I I think like actually, I had a podcast that I recorded a few years ago called Make Some Noise, and it's a fascinating exploration between the links between creativity, mental health, and self expression. Right, so these three three things and how they're really interlinked. And yes, there's other things that can affect our mental health for sure. But this was one that I just thought hadn't really been talked about that much. And so I wanted to have conversations with people who had used creativity in a way to move through, you know, various, uh, well, depression and anxiety primarily. And one of those episodes was with a woman. Oh my God, I've forgotten her name. Starts with a K. Anyway, it's, um, it's about, she, she intentionally makes ugly things, right? So 
she would have these workshops where people would have to make ugly dolls. And they had, and that was the intention to make something ugly. Right. And in that, <laughs> it was, it's a it's actually a really interesting process to make something shit. Intentionally make something shit that sucks because it gives you this freedom of expression then, you know, because then you're like, well, I've got nothing. There's no like, I don't, it doesn't have to be good. It doesn't have to be anything. That's the whole thing about creativity. It's not about the end result. It's about the process that you're in while you're creating. That's the bit that's the juicy bit. The end result is just, it just is what it is. And some people are going to love it and some people are going to hate it and some people are just not going to get it. And it doesn't matter whether you are the most talented artist in the world. Some people are going to love you. Some people are going to hate you. Some people aren't going to get you. Right. And one of the things that I love to do now is to go to galleries because it's a reminder to me that the only difference, really, if we're brutally honest, between someone who is an artist and making money from their art and someone like me is the willingness, or someone like you, is the willingness to call yourself an artist, right? Because we've all been to art galleries and been like, really? People paid for that? You know? And and that's not a that's not necessarily a judgment. It's just like I take my daughter to, you know, my brother has paintings at the NGV. Like he's actually a legitimate artist in his own right. And he has two two pieces in their permanent gallery. And so I grew up around an, an a really accomplished artist. And then there was me. So I wasn't the artist because he was the artist. And my other brother is a professor in like ecology. So he was always like this kind of savant like child with like, a, you know, like just, yeah, just very highly intelligent. And then there was me. So I was like, well, I'm not the academic and I'm not the artist. So I don't know what I am because I'm definitely not like Grant. Everyone tells him he's an artist and he's incredible. Nobody really tells me that. So I don't really know what what I am and how I fit in. But when I go to these galleries, you know, with my daughter, she's like, mom, what is that? You know, like she's just got no filter. What is that? That's crap, you know, whatever. And that's art, right? And that is art. We put we put a piece of ourselves on a canvas and we put it or whatever, we mould something and we put it out there. And it's not it's not about what other people think about it because some people are gonna some people are gonna look at that same thing and go, oh, I feel you know, I feel really moved by this so much that I'm crying right now. It, you know, it connects deeply to this piece of me or whatever. Um, and other people are just not going to get it. And and that's got nothing to do with you and your ability. And art isn't about you and your ability. It's about your willingness to put something, take something that lives inside of you and give it a home outside of yourself. And then have people interpret that in any way they want to interpret that. Yeah. I mean, Art and creativity, it's just so loaded, right? Like it's really a loaded concept for a lot of people. And the singing thing for me has been the last five years or so I've been exploring singing because I love to sing. I love music. I've never played an instrument because it, it never felt like it came naturally to me. Like I think some people have this expectation that if they're going to be really good at something, it just has to come naturally to them. But then we, at the same time, we've got these like preconceived ideas of how it must be. 
So then, you know what I mean? So then it's like, hmm, that's interesting. And this is what I'm discovering through the songwriting process is like, really, it's about me finding my voice in a different way, you know, because there's all these people who have their preferred genre of music or their their thing that they've practiced and practiced and practiced and they're comfortable with. And then there's me who doesn't have any of that. I just have some words that come through me. That's it. How can, like, so what is my music? What is my music, right? And it's about, well, you don't know until you've tried a whole bunch of different music to see which music is the one that feels right for you. But we do, we have these like, you know, for me, I'm like, oh, well, to be a singer, it would mean this. Or to be an artist, it would mean this. Yeah, but it, it often it's actually not that at all. You know, it's about, I don't know, like I've, I've been thinking about singing a lot lately and how I thought it had to sound or feel or look a certain way or sound a certain way. And then recently I've just been playing with, like I felt, oh, I thought, well, a singer, if I was a singer, I would belt it out, you know, like I'd be someone who belts it out. And I've been playing with not doing that and just singing in my own voice, which is because, you know, I'm trying to sound like somebody else. I don't know who I'm trying to sound like, but I'm trying to sound like somebody else. Where what if I just sounded like me? What if it was just my voice, but a little bit musical? It's just, I don't know, it's just such an interesting idea that, yeah, really the only thing that's stopping us from being an artist or being a singer or being a creator is just that willingness to get messy, play, see what feels comfortable because we're not going to know until we're in the messiness of it. One thing I've been thinking a lot about lately is this idea of, you know, people want to feel comfortable in their voice. But in order to feel comfortable in your voice, you have to be really willing to be very uncomfortable in your voice. You know, you have to be willing to raise your hand and use it regardless of what comes out, regardless of whether you cry or stumble or don't know what is coming next. You just have to be willing to be in that place. And it's through being in that really uncomfortable, not knowing place where real magic happens. You know, that's where we do find our voice and our style and our rhythm and our art. And it's funny because it's like, if I think about it now with your brother, people were saying to him, you're an artist. Right. saying to your other brother, you're an academic. But they weren't giving you approval (laughs) for anything. My dad said I'm a bullshit artist. He said, well, you're the bullshit artist. He's the artist. You're He's the academic and you're kind of the bullshit artist. What I think he was trying to say was like, you're the talker. <laughs> you're the communicator. And I kind of am, right? Like it is kind of kind of what I do. But though, yeah, but like I, I didn't have the label, which actually it made me struggle for a really long time not to have that because I was looking for that. What is my thing? And my thing is actually lots of just different things that make me feel good. I don't have to be in one little box to make my worth, you know, to make my life worthwhile. In fact, when I'm in lots of different boxes doing lots of different things, that's when I feel the best, you know, because there's variety and it's spicy and it's fun. Yeah, I've actually never really wanted to be limited by one thing. While at the same time really wanting to be defined by one thing. <laughs> I was just going to go there because it's kind of like our expectation as a society is 
you do one thing and you do it really well. Yeah. What is your purpose in life? I don't know. And then about six or seven mm. years ago, I read this book and I can't remember, but she's actually got a website and she talks about multi something. It's oh uh, yeah, multi potentialite. Multi potentialite, um, yeah. Yeah, I, I heard her speak at Pro Blogger probably eight or eight years ago or something. Oh, yeah. Name escapes me, but I do know who you're talking about. Yeah. And if you Google multi-potentialite, yes. they come up. She'll You'll find her because she's much bigger now than she was back when yeah. we first uh, learned about her. But that kind of gave me permission to go, oh, because I've been like a serial, <laughs> serial whatever. I'm, yeah. I'm bored with this. Let's go on to the next thing. Okay, I'm bored with that. Let's go on to the next things. I've never wanted to. Unless it's for the shock value, I've never wanted to give myself a label. So I like saying I've got a degree in construction and I got it in the mid-80s because that's really unusual, you know? Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, we're supposed, we are supposed to be good at one thing and mm. focus on that one thing and become an expert in that one thing. That's the approval thing, isn't it? You're an artist, you're a, a an academic or you're a civil engineer, you're whatever. Yeah, let's put me into some kind of neat box so that I am, you know, palatable to people, which, and there's so much conditioning around this in business too, right? It's like, well, if you just focus on one thing, like you've got too many things going on. There's too, people don't know how to work with you because I've got too, you've got too many things going on. And it's like, well, maybe, but it hasn't, like, if I actually think about that, it hasn't actually been that much of a problem because I just have a lot of different clients doing a lot of different things. And it works for me and it works for them. So the people who, it's the same as art, right? The people who who get you are going to get you, regardless of what, what labels you slap on yourself or how palatable you make yourself to someone else. Like really all you're doing is shoving yourself into a box so other people can identify you. But the people who are here for you and to be impacted by you are going to find you whether you're doing 100 things or one because they're just going to vibe with you. They're just gonna. They're just. They're gonna. They're gonna get it. You're the art that they get, right? Or that they love and appreciate. And there's an equal amount of people who are hate watching you on Instagram, <laughs> waiting for you to fail. <laughs> and that's okay. It, but it, that's the hard thing to get past, isn't it? Because yeah. we focus on the haters. What's that rule of thumb? Fifty percent will like you. 30% won't be bothered and 20% will absolutely loathe you. It's some some weird yeah. thing like that. Yeah, yeah. But we focus yeah. on that little The bit that hates us. Thing. Why? They're yeah. never going to like us. It doesn't matter what we do. They're never going to like us. And, and we're going to end up hating ourselves for, for, like, trying to get them to like us, you know? So just... You know, just do your own thing. Be who you are. You know, be the be the art that someone finds really ugly and don't get, and other people are really moved by. And I think that's that's why that's why I continually go to galleries, just so that I'm constantly reminded of that. You know, what what resonates with me isn't going to be the thing that resonates with my daughter necessarily. And that artist owes me nothing. You know what I mean? They owe me nothing. And actually, I heard Lizzo say something. I think it was Lizzo said something really um, poignant 
in, I can't, I can't, actually it was on Hot Wings, I think. There's that, have you watched that YouTube? I can't remember the guy. It's like he gets these celebrities on and he interviews them while they're eating progressively hotter and hotter Hot Wings. And, and they start like, you know, becoming asphyxiated and sweating and they can't think. So he's getting really more and more honest answers out of them, which I love. And she said something about while you're creating it selfish, putting it out into the world is one of the most selfless things you can do, right? The selfish part should always be the creating part. You should be creating for yourself and because of the way it makes you feel and because, you know, something has moved you to create. But once we put it out in the world, it becomes a selfless act. It's here. It's it's yours now. You interact with that any way you need. Rather than trying to control the outcome, what we want is to create something that's good, that feels good for us, and then everybody fucking loves. But not everyone is going to, like, not everybody loves Lizzo. I don't know why because I think she's the shit. But, you know, my 12, my 13-year-old niece was like, Lizzo, <laughs> I'm not into pop. And neither was I. I was the 13-year-old who was like, Spice? Was, I don't think Spice Girls were even around, but like, you know, I was really into Nirvana and really grungy stuff. And so pop I was like, ew. <laughs> now I love Lizzo. You know, our tastes change. And her and and you know, probably 15 years ago, it wasn't Liz, it wouldn't have been Lizzo's time. Now it's her time. And and some people are gonna hate her. And some people are going to love the shit out of her. And some people are going to be like, eh, whatever. And for us to mold ourselves into something for that, like for the love of others, it's only going to end us up feeling frustrated, bitter, twisted, angry, disappointed. (laughs) Yeah, it's interesting because I've come to realise, particularly in the last six months, like when I started the podcast, it was to share other people's stories. And I don't mm. know whether you remember, but doing that first episode about me took me months to do. Yeah. I ended up reading it from a script. It is shocking because I just could not talk about myself. And I still struggle with that. But now I'm at the stage where I just have conversations that I want to have. Yeah, totally. About totally. I want to talk about in the way I want to talk about them. And I do get the occasional guest who isn't willing to have a conversation, I'd email them beforehand saying, I'm not going to give you any questions. This is just going to be a free-flowing conversation. Mm. And they're incapable of doing that because they have their thing that they want to say and this is how they say it. And I don't enjoy that at all. So it's interesting you talking because I'm realising how I'm kind of applying that to podcasting. And it also took me nearly two years when people asked me what I did to say I'm a podcaster. (laughs) Yeah. Isn't that funny? I mean, this is, this is one thing that I remind myself of all the time. If I have a ukulele in my hand, regardless of whether I can play it or not, well, by somebody's standards, if I can strum something, like what's to say I'm not playing the ukulele? I am playing the ukulele. Therefore, I could consider myself a a ukulele player. Mm. You know, if you are podcasting, then you are, by the very act, a podcaster, (laughs) you know? And and this is something that I've learned through this songwriting course is this whole me saying I'm not a musician. Well, hang on, let's break down what the definition of a musician is. is. Is the definition of a musician someone who can 
who who knows all the theory and can play a certain instrument, why am I thinking that a musician isn't a singer or someone who writes lyrics? Like those things make you a musician. So therefore, I am a musician, right? And by by constantly reinforcing to ourselves, oh, I'm not an artist, oh, I'm not a musician, oh, I'm not a podcaster, I'm not, it's just not helpful in us actually embracing the fact that, yeah, you know what, we are, we are all musicians. We are all innately musical. We are all innately creative. You know, the amount of times I get from people, oh, but I'm not creative. Really? Well, like, how do you choose what you want to cook for dinner? How do you put your clothes on in the morning? Yeah, you know, like, and a lot of people in the entrepreneurial space will say to me, oh, I'm just not creative. What? What do you mean you're not creative? Haven't you created courses, written sales pages, done Instagram posts, recorded podcasts? What makes you think you're not creative? It's because we have this really limited view of what it means to be creative and it's a bunch of boxes that most of us will never fit into. And and also (laughs) a few weeks ago I had this guy message me on one of the platforms I can't remember what it was he'd sent me a friend request and then he said oh what do you do and I said oh I have a podcast menopause marriage and motherhood and he messaged me back and said oh great so what is it you actually do what some friend (laughs) what a dumb question that was (laughs) but that's the reaction isn't it yeah it is to somebody I write music okay so what do you do for your real job yeah 100% I mean People say that about my voiceover stuff. Oh, so what, what else do you do? You know, I mean, I do lots of other stuff, but uh, but also the voiceover, like that was my that was my whole income for pretty much 15 years was just voiceover. You know, I think people have a limited idea around like what do you do is like what how do you make money? Those two things don't have to necessarily even be interlinked at all. Like how we make money, we can make money any number of ways. It it doesn't have to be connected to what we enjoy doing. You know, I think that whole question of what you do is, it's not, it's it's just not like, it's not a question I enjoy answering because it's like, what do I do? I exist, (laughs) you know, I make shit. I don't know. It's just like, yeah, well, what you're asking me is what I, how I make money. Is that the question that you're asking me? Because then maybe you want to ask that question. <laughs> that could be a good response to that person, by the way, if you, but you don't owe them shit. Um, but, you know, but it's like, uh, are you asking me what I do or are you asking me how I make a living? Because actually, well, neither of them are really your business anyway. <laughs> No, it's funny, isn't it? Because we, and that's the stock standard question we ask somebody. And it's for the sole purpose, well, two purposes. One is to put them in a box and the second one is to find some mutual ground that we can talk about. Yeah. That's basically what it is. Yeah. And because we, because we are living in this patriarchal capitalist society, that is the question. You know, if you, I worked on an Indigenous health podcast for a number of years and the question that they would ask is, who's your mob? Where are you from? <laughs> That's how you find 
interlinked because that culture is about the collective. But our culture is about how are you most productive in this world? How are you contributing? So the question doesn't become who's your mob, where you're from. It's what do you do for a living? How do you contribute positively to our economy? (laughs) Which that's the question, right? That's the question they're asking. Crazy. (laughs) I never thought about it that way, but yes, you're quite right. That is exactly what people are asking. Oh, oh, and we all do it. Yeah. What we're asking, how are you contributing? How are you being a positive contribution to our society? Financially to our society. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And it's it's just such a strange question. You know, I have one of my friends is um, you know, she had two boys and was a stay-at-home mum. And when people would ask her that question, she was like, oh, I'm uh, I'm just a mum. You know, it diminishes what women who stay at home do for our community and the collective. And also just make, I don't know, it made her feel really uncomfortable because then she felt like people were frowning down upon her like, oh, right, so you don't work. Yeah, cool. Well, I've got nothing that I can really... You know, we don't have any common ground here because you don't work and my whole identity is based in what I do for a living. (laughs) Because I used to get it because I was a stay-at-home mum and it used to, particularly from guys, they start talking to you like you're the little woman. (laughs) It's really (laughs) patronising. Even still, even even still, I I still, you know, how's your little business doing? Yeah, Hmm. I know. There's so many places we can go. So we're going to have to wrap up in a few minutes, Carly. Yeah. Okay. How would people best, what would you want to say to people about the whole creativity thing, how to do it? Because it's okay talking about the the psychological stuff, but the actions that people have difficulty taking. Yeah. (laughs) She says, knowing what it's like when I'm trying to start a creative project. (laughs) Totally. (laughs) For me, I have to lock myself into something external. Because, I mean, uh, to a certain extent, like some, and and sometimes that locking into something external looks like going to Spotlight and buying paints and a canvas and sitting down, right? But what I found works better for me personally is if I sign up to a workshop or a course, right? So if I'm like, for example, last year I signed up to to do pottery. And what that meant was that every week I had to show up and just create regardless. So the external accountability really helps me personally um, and uh, do that because if I, so for example, with this songwriting course that I'm doing, if I wasn't in the space with those people, there's no way I would make the time for it myself. So even though I really value creativity, I still need the push to be committed to it. And for me, that looks like booking into something so that I can do it. And, you know, it doesn't have to be like this songwriting course, I think it was $150 for the six weeks. So it wasn't like overly, overly expensive. It was something that I could afford and value enough to spend. But, you know, there's all kinds of courses that we can do through TAFE and community colleges and, you know, so just throw yourself in the deep end. Like, If there's something you've always wanted to do, then 
do it, right? Like show up and have a go and lose any expectation. I think like those first pottery lessons were, and even the first singing lessons, like all of the things that I've tried, there is this period in the first part where you're really questioning why you would do this, you know? And I think that's the part that often people then drop off because yeah. they're like, oh, I'm not, I'm not innately great at this for my first go. It's like, well, nobody is, <laughs> you know, it's, it's a, it's actually a freak of nature that is just innately talented at something. Most people have to work at it and you're not going to get any better if you don't show up and have a go. So for me, that showing up just means that I'm committed to it. And then the other thing that I do is suspend self-judgment. You know, become aware of it, but don't allow it to stop me. I was at a, I was doing a painting class a few weeks ago at an event that I went to. And there was this point where I started painting, like I painted and I was like, oh yes, this is looking really good. And then I made a wrong stroke. And I thought, oh, you fuck this up. Let's just go. Like that's where most people dip out. And then I went, hang on. No, there, there are no mistakes. Only things that we can learn. So let's just stick at this and see what happens. And the end result wasn't the most amazing painting in the world, but I'm really proud of it because I stuck with it and I made it to the end. And so, you know, most of this is just about creativity is really just about our relationship to ourselves. And doing this kind of stuff just really helps us to highlight what that relationship is so that we can work on it. Because the relationship to self and our creativity is really the primary relationship that we have. So work on it. Thank you so much. It's always a joy to talk to you. We haven't talked for a long, long time. No, we really haven't. No. I have to rectify that. I mean, you're only an hour and a half up the road. I know, right? What are we doing with our lives? <laughs> we need to meet somewhere. So yeah. <laughs> we need to meet and do some art somewhere. Yes, we do. Let's do that. <laughs> and we'll record it and put it on yes. the website. That'd yeah. be so much fun. <laughs> so much, Carly. My pleasure. Always a pleasure. If you enjoyed this episode, be sure to subscribe so you're notified when a new episode is posted and rate and review this podcast and share it with your friends, please. Thanks so much for listening and I hope you're leaving with some great ideas that can make a difference in your everyday life. Until next time.